0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.
2: Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place
1: you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.
1: Welcome in to Brewcast from Mason Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. We've got a good one in store for you here today coming off a big weekend. I'm Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. We're here with you on Monday night and heading into Tuesday when the show has come out. And guys, I want to bring you in because we've got a lot to get to. But first, how was the weekend? Are you guys enjoying yourself? You guys good?
3: Uh, Yeah, Bong Bong Hive had a very good weekend, uh, if you're a Parasite person. So uh, I'm very happy. It it was a good weekend, kind of a wild end of of last week into beginning of this week. So uh, feeling good, feeling energized, and yeah, here we go. Yeah,
2: I'm pretty much right along there with you. Uh, A lot happening, it seemed, every day. Uh, This Michigan basketball team for the time being, has their head above water, and we'll talk about that. An exciting weekend, for sure. We were just talking about it right before we started filming, or recording, sorry, uh, potentially a seeds and saving victory on Saturday. And while it doesn't uh, directly have to do with us, there is a massive coaching search going on in East Lansing right now that has seemingly had kind of a massive ripple effect on – the way that several programs, I think, are, are being viewed uh, in the Big Ten at this moment. We're going to talk about that.
1: Well, I, I think we do have to start w- with the game over the weekend on Saturday. Sounds like the uh, the Chrysler was rocking. I was watching on TV. Anthony, I assume that you were there uh, covering the game. Correct. But man, I, I felt the atmosphere Saturday watching it on my couch. What was it like in the building?
3: Uh, it was probably as loud as it's been this year and at certain points, probably as loud as I've heard it since the North Carolina game last year. Um, the thing about Chrysler and again I'm not I don't want people to take this the wrong way and I'm, I'm not bemoaning Chrysler. It's not I don't think teams fear playing there because unless things are going really well for Michigan, it's not necessarily a hostile environment now I think the fans have a part to play in with that. But also, I, I think the athletic department could do a better job of um, you know, making it a better atmosphere. Uh, there's no reason the student section shouldn't surround the court like it does at Breslin. Instead of having them up in the rafters while you have you know, 25% of their seats in the lower bowl could be empty at a given time because of either people that don't show up or, or, or things like that. I don't want to get too much into that, but we'll go back to this game Saturday. Very good atmosphere, as loud as I've heard it in a while. Um, I think it was going into it, I think there was kind of a nervous energy. Uh, I think a lot of people, you said season saving win. And while I don't think that's how I felt about it, uh, because I think to a certain extent, people have sort of started to mentally prepare themselves for for the idea that this team might not make the NCAA tournament. So I don't think Saturday would have ended that, Um, but you could definitely tell that given what had transpired earlier in the week, you lose a game, you should have won to Ohio state. And then Isaiah Livers comes back. We know Michigan state had won four in a row in the series. I mean, it was that nervous energy started to dissipate and uh, you know, the, the team played hard. They were diving all over the floor for loose balls. The energy was, you know, you know, people look at the final score in the second half and you know they'll see what was a pretty good game, but it wasn't a very good game to start. Uh, both teams were not playing well, they weren't shooting well, but the major difference and I think the thing that was maybe the spark that lit the fire of you know if you want to call it an upset, whatever I don't think it was because uh, this Michigan state team right now is not very good. I think the difference in the game was Michigan was ready to play they were energized, and I think you know we just talk about parasite I think both sides of the, you know, I think it was symbiotic in terms of whose energy was being fed off of between the crowd and the players in that game. So uh, awesome win. Um, I won't call it season saving, but it certainly could be a turning point with the idea that everyone might be healthy and uh, you just see how, how big a factor that Isaiah Livers is
1: oh yeah i mean i mean when you when you think about the resume with isaiah livers man it's it's huge and like people like to bring up You know, Izzo brought up Josh Langford in the postgame presser, and Josh Langford is is a great player. He would help this team tremendously. The difference between the two with Livers and Langford and why I think Livers means more, man, is not only is he the leading scorer, he's, what, a 50% uh, three-point shooter or whatever, but he can guard four positions. I mean, he is so big on the defensive end and and rebounding. And Chris, I agree with you as to to why I think it was a season-changing win because this team was – kind of, you know, headed towards the darkness, so to speak, you know, like things were hanging in the balance and they were not trending in the right direction. I think, uh, this not only looks great on a resume, uh, it it shows the team with Isaiah livers, you know, the resume, if Isaiah livers is healthy at the end, they're going to be judged more on what they did with livers. And if they're going to be with him for the tournament, than what they did without him, the committee will take that into, into account. But yeah, Chris, uh, I, I think it's this season around a little bit, and I don't know what the ceiling is for this Michigan team, man. But I feel a lot more optimistic today, you know, than I did on Friday. What What were your takeaways, Chris?
2: Well, defensively, the best game they've played all year, um, even better than the Bahamas, I, I would say. I felt like you saw inklings of the type of defense, the the swarm defensively that we would see in the, the last couple of years, the Beeline Yaklich era. Great job defensively. You know, Cassius got 20 points. It was, and I think there is such thing as this a, a fairly quiet 20 points. Some of those coming in garbage time. Didn't dominate with the pick and roll the way that they did in game one. I think Jawan, as a coach, uh, sh- has shown a lot of improvement in that area, making adjustments game to game, matchup to matchup. If it's not a season saving win, I think at the very least it's a season saving return from injury. This it's very simple. This team with Isaiah liver is an NCAA tournament team with him. I think that they can win a game in the NCAA tournament. You know what? Maybe if it, depending on the matchups, depending on who shows up on one particular day, maybe they could even make it to the second weekend. Everything beyond that, I, I I'd have trouble seeing, but I think they are a potential threat with him on the team without him. They simply are not. I brought this up in my post game and I'll reiterate it. He brings leadership. Uh, energy and intensity to this team that is unmatched. I mean, Xavier Simpson may be the leader on the floor, but you feel like to a certain extent, uh, the go-to guy is Isaiah Livers. I mean, they are almost one A and one B in terms of leadership and experience there. Um, Teske probably a, a distant third, but the most important thing he provides is just instant offense. I mean, 14 points for Isaiah Livers, and what it does is it makes it takes guys who have been forced to play starters' roles and takes them from fringe average to below-average starters to rock-solid bench players. Brandon Johns was already going through the best stretch of his college career, taking him from... From what he turned into, which was a fairly you know, a solid, semi-reliable starter over these last several games, to a guy who can provide you just endless energy off the bench. He quietly had one of my favorite games of anybody on Saturday. Seven points, five boards, or I'm sorry, nine points, five boards, and two blocks off the bench was huge. I, I just feel like this team plays with a different energy when Isaiah Levers is on the floor and on this team and healthy. I mean, you saw it from a lot of guys. And I think in general, I think that energy would have been brought no matter what because it's a game you got to get up for. It's Michigan State, it's a rivalry game. You cannot afford to lose four games in a row at home. And especially the way they they lost the Ohio State game, I was worried about the how they were going to come out against Michigan State. Thought really for the most part they played great and Uh, it didn't all go completely their way, which I think is one of the reasons I was so excited by the time we got to the end of it. The first several minutes was ugly. I think Graham Couch tweeted at one point, these two teams were a combined eight eight for 50. If Michigan defensively, would have had the lapses that they had the first time these two teams played. They would have gotten run out of the gym in the first 10 minutes, but they stayed strong and eventually shots started falling. You you got a very nice game from Xavier Simpson going for 16 points, hitting some threes, which I think was the thing that frustrated Tom Izzo the most in his press conference afterwards. Oh, he was
3: big mad, big salty about that. Yes,
2: because in general, I think Michigan State had a pretty good game plan as far as taking, uh, taking down Michigan's offense. There was Xavier Simpson is so great at slashing and driving and creating, you know, off the bounce and being a threat to to dish it out, but he's great at kind of wiggling his way through the lane and making those contested layups or those hook shots. They shut that down. Their goal was to force Xavier Simpson to make outside shots, which is something that other teams have done to w- tremendous success all year. And you get into this game Saturday, and all of a sudden he hits four threes. So, I, to a certain extent, I understand Tom Izzo's frustration there. I think just in general, it was such a great team effort. You know, not everybody played perfectly. There were mistakes that were made, but for the most part, as a team, they came across like a unit that looked much that much more resembled the team that we saw early on in this year. And I think it it bodes well. Going forward, because uh, to be honest, after the Ohio State game, it seemed like once again, this was on the verge of completely going off the rails. It, it, I didn't feel confident going into Saturday, and without Livers, potentially, I didn't feel confident about a lot of the games coming up, Sands, maybe Northwestern and Nebraska. But with him, I think they're back on the right track now, um, and things are, are looking up for this team. And ultimately, more so than anything, you get... Uh, you get the monkey off your back temporarily uh, losing to state four times in a row. Um, you beat him at home. Jawan gets his first win against MSU. You knock him out of the top 25. You check a lot of, th- uh, you check a lot of boxes with that performance on Saturday.
1: And that's the big thing right there. How big of a win is that for Jawan Howard to get that, win against state in year number one you know I mean we've we watched Jim Harbaugh go through the nonsense in football and the the narrative that surrounds him with you know can't beat the rivals and whatnot like I felt bad for Jawan, like they had no business losing that Ohio State game never seen a team miss so many easy layups and open shots I I mean it's kind of been a theme as of late and that's why I'm that that's a big reason to be excited about the future you know talking about this team is one thing but the future of Jawan Howard man is, uh, him and his staff, That they're really good. Like Michigan gets a lot of open shots. They just don't make a lot of open shots. But in the future, if you get really good basketball players in there, really good shooters in there, Michigan's going to win a lot of games. But for Juwan to get this win right now, um, I, I think it's pretty big. It just, in the narrative aspect, I don't know if that means anything to the program or whatnot, but man, it makes my life a little bit easier. You know, when I go on Twitter, and I don't have to, to look at all that. But uh, right,
2: and, yeah. and I, I wanted to just step in real quick and say that that was one thing that had been brought up regarding these last couple, these really the last couple months uh, of Michigan basketball. And you know you, you're already going to get a lot of reactionary people making ridiculous claims about Juwan's ability as a coach. I've gotten, dude, I've gotten a lot. I've addressed this several people saying they're a poorly coached team. Juwan doesn't know what he's doing. Like, if I, in general, I as patient as I'm, I've said I'm going to be about the the direction of this program. If I felt that he was lost as a coach. I would say it. If I felt like he needed to make improvements as a coach, I would say it. I wouldn't say he should be fired in year 1. But when you watch this team, there's a lot of things they do, right, especially the Ohio State game. How many good looks did they have in that game? How many like back-backdoor passes did they have right under the basket that should have gone in? How many open threes did they have? They they're moving the ball well. They're setting screens. The offense moves, you know, with a fair amount of fluidity. It's just lack of execution, and and as a coach, you can't get on him for that. I mean, you want him to suit up and, and wear the two five and go out and start and start making shots again like it's nineteen ninety one. That's not going to happen. And, and so, in general, I think this has, Jawan thus far has done a more than admirable position or done more than an admirable job in in this position.
1: Have you have you guys looked at like uh, the Ken Palm? at all in the predicted things that are, that are coming up here. Yeah, like, they've got Northwestern coming up. They're predicted to beat Indiana by more than they're predicted to beat Northwestern by, according to Ken Palm. Which Indiana's is,
2: sliding big time.
1: Yeah, but, but, I mean, Northwestern's so bad. That's how much, like, the Big Ten home teams are pretty much getting right now. Like, yeah. it, you look at this schedule, Anthony, you talked about it a little bit. You talked about making the NCAA tournament like – when you look at the schedule, what what are you thinking? What do they need to do to pretty much secure a big? They got six quad one wins right now, tied for the most in the country. So, what are you thinking when you take a look at the schedule and, and the hopes for making the NCAA tournament, Anthony?
3: Yeah, so they're what uh, fourteen and nine right now, right? With yep. six games left, I, I think that g- coming out of the regular season with 18 wins probably has them pretty safely in the tournament, considering what their resume is. Um, you know, 17, I think, puts them right on the bubble there. You're going to go into, you know, the interesting thing is, I mean, if they just kind of tread water here the next couple weeks, like they're going to go into, and I wrote about this, I think, last week, they could potentially go into the Big Ten tournament as um, as the 12 seed, which means they would play on Wednesday night, which – Obviously that's it's pretty hard to run the table in that tournament doing that. But they could play like say they're the twelfth seed. They could play Nebraska in that first game, have a rematch with Iowa in the second game. You know, I don't know what the standings look like today. I'm just as an example. And then there's a scenario where there's a scenario where they could play Nebraska, Iowa, Penn State in those first three games and have a shot to maybe play into Saturday. So I, I guess what my point is, and really because the Big Ten is such a slugfest this year anyways, I think if you can walk out of the regular season with 17 or 18 wins and then and then tack on another win or two in the Big Ten tournament, like, they're going to be in. Especially, like I said, th- that was – Saturday was the best game they've played since the Oregon game, which was, what, December 14th? Um, yeah. So if you're getting that November and – December, like, again – I'm not going to say – I I don't think they're as good as they were in the Bahamas. Uh, but that win over Gonzaga is what it is. They got it because they shot the ball well. Um, I don't know if that this team will ever shoot the ball as well as they did for those three days. But I, if you're getting – timely- I, I want to interject on that
1: point, Anthony, so you can finish. But the the beautiful part about it is, is they're getting the same looks that they yeah. had in the Bahamas.
3: Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, like, it, like I think Chris had hit on this about Juwan um, and the looks that they've been getting for guys. Like people need to realize this is – and again, I'm not – I like this group. I like, the, I like the kids. I like the coaching staff. Let's call this what it is. This is a spare parts, island of misfit toys roster that Juwan Howard is trying to play an NBA style of basketball with. They are going to shoot when they have the ball on the perimeter. Um, you know, they, they want to, you know, they want to go high low with the bigs at times and John Teske, I thought he'd take more of a step forward this year. I thought he would kind of thrive in that role, but, um, you know, I think he's more of, you know, based on what we've seen, I think he's just a complimentary stretch five in like a beeline offense. He's not that guy that you're going to, you know, it's going to be the guy you just pound the ball inside with him. Um, I think Austin Davis is. You know, given the workloads, I think Austin Davis is probably playing better. I wouldn't mind seeing a little more Brandon Johns at the five, uh, now that Livers is back. I'm not you no, know, I'm not bagging on the kid there. I think that the the point I'm just making is in and, and I don't blame fans for feeling this way because some people are just casual viewers and they don't know what system is being run or what they're trying to do. Um they're when they have guys next year that can make shots, and I assume that they will, you know, I, of course, I'm assuming that maybe Josh Christopher comes and that David DeJulia steps a, take a, uh, takes a step forward. Isaiah Todd can create his own offense. This is going to look a heck of a lot better when you have the athletes in that system. But um, you know, when you think about this Big Ten and this roster, um, and, and people ask why did John Beeline leave, I think that not that John Beeline ran away from this challenge, but if there was going to be a time to make a change, that was the time to do it. I don't know if this group is playing like, – because we know a John Beeline offense was so predicated on hitting your outside shots, I don't know if this team would be any better under John Beeline, which is what some people still believe. So I think that Joanne is doing a good job. I think mean, the staff is doing a pretty good job. The looks are there. And forget forget the looks from the perimeter. The looks – they're, they're missing shots at, from point-blank range. Franz Wagner is. Um, and he will – he's got – you know he's got time to improve that. I don't think he's a one and done guy. He'll be here next year. Um, you know they just missed so many shots right at the basket, and to me, that's more frustrating than going, you know, seven for 29 from three point range. and just throwing numbers out there. I, so
1: I is there a is there like a a rumor circulating or anything like that about? Um... John Teske dealing with any sort of injury or something, because I don't know if I've ever seen a player kind of regress to what he's regressed to, especially offensively
3: after the start he had this year. I don't think there's an injury. I just I I just think watch the tape like it is what it is right now. Um, you no, know, I It's there are times and, and I'm stunned by this. There are times where you don't even notice that he's out there, that he doesn't. I think he may have had two rebounds in the first half. Uh, no, he had zero. He had zero, zero. man. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, that's right. Like, talked about what that.
1: Garza stole this man's soul.
2: It, or, yeah. Or, well, I think it was the collective trio of Garza, Tillman, and Oturu, I feel like the, that triad uh, took a lot of John Teske's confidence. Because, I mean— Guy's a good player. We've seen him do a lot of good things here. He's had a solid career.
3: And he had the play of the – in a game, in that game or he didn't do much, he arguably had Michigan's play of the year too. Yeah, that yeah, was a like,
2: ma- massive turning point. And even, Anthony, you you and I were – I almost tweeted the same thing, that Austin Davis was about to be put into that game, and I think eventually was. But I think that was almost a frustration substitution because Juwan had just seen enough. I mean, Teske had done nothing, and then that happened. Um, he did come alive a little bit in the second half, but I mean, if you're seven one and you can't collect a rebound in a 20 minute half of basketball, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's injured, but clearly there's something is, that something is up. Maybe it's a confidence issue. I don't know. But, uh, it, if there is a, a spin zone here, uh, great minutes from Austin Davis over these last several games. I, I mean, really good bench minutes. You know, this Jawan has gone back and forth and back and forth. I think he's been really indecisive in terms of who's the guy between Castleton and Davis. That's going to be the backup center spot. It's solved now. Austin Davis is that guy. And um, it would, who knows if he, maybe he will take that fifth year. We're going to see.
3: Yeah. That's the other thing I was like, are we, are we so sure he's moving on now? Because um, on a team full of young guys next year, you, you might need some glue guys like that. Um, yep. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of leaning towards like if I had to guess, like kind of leaning towards him maybe being invited back and and Colin Castleton transferring maybe. I, I don't know. It's too early. I don't like speculating on on guys' futures in terms of attrition and things like that. But um, yeah, he's like what do they call him on social media right now? Custard Shack. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. done a, he's done a great job. I mean, that is the the development of the season is that. Not only is that guy coming and giving you good minutes, he might be your best bench player right now. All right. We've got to shift
1: gears uh, as we roll along here on Brewcast. We'll talk uh, more Michigan basketball next week with a big week ahead here. Uh, But there is a major national coaching search happening right now, and it's not going well for the school that's making it. We're going to talk a little bit about that and how it pertains to Michigan in a way you might not think next. Uh, brewcast
0: this episode is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors in life whether they be big small or anywhere in between and when we keep those bottled up it can start to affect us in a negative way Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M.
1: Step into the world
0: of power,
1: loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family Back in here on Baruchas, Luke Giardi joined by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani as we hang out with you uh, on a big week. Just talked a lot about Michigan basketball coming off the win over Michigan State. But speaking of Michigan State, we're switching gears a little bit uh, because obviously uh, Mark D'Antonio, he did Michigan State absolutely no favors stepping down when he did the coaching searches on. Uh, there were a lot of air quote insiders, uh, on the Michigan state side that were reporting that to deal with Luke fickle, <laughs> <laughs> uh, reporting that a deal with Luke fickle was done. Uh, but that, uh, turned out to be false. He turned them down today on Monday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, it would have been yesterday. Um, but the he, he turned them down. Pat Narduzzi tweeted out that he is staying. Uh, it's been rumored that Robert Sala, defensive coordinator for the Niners, had turned down uh, the Michigan State job. And I look at all this, guys, and the first thing that that I'm thinking about because this is kind of giving me flashbacks to when Lloyd Carr stepped down, you know, and Michigan went with like their fourth choice, and it turned out to be as big of a disaster as anything could have possibly turned out for Michigan at that time. And when I eight months from now, I'm going to see this and it's going to make me mad. And I'm going to see people calling for Harbaugh because to, to, or for Michigan to fire Harbaugh because they, they're not doing what they're, you know, expected to do offensively or something like that. Like this is what happens. Like Jim Harbaugh, you say what you want the The man is running a, a pretty good program right now it's not at the level of Ohio State but this is what you get sometimes when you go into this coaching search you know and it's and I've seen people make the argument well this happened in February like just because the coaching change coaching search starts in December doesn't mean you're immune from getting turned down by your top options so be careful what you wish for
3: yeah you know what and it's I This is, aside from it being Michigan State, this is more just a common sense type deal. Do you know why these coaching searches go sideways? It's It usually happens when your leadership sucks. And right now, Michigan State's leadership is absolute garbage across the board. Um, they were done dirty by Mark D'Antonio. And any administration with balls, with with a set of cojones on them, would have just cut him his four point three million dollar check in November, said, "Happy retirement, thanks for all you've done. Let's go, let's go do this the right way." But they didn't do that, despite you know, this has been heading this way for four years at Michigan State, and then you add on the lawsuit stuff from Curtis Blackwell. You you add on, um, you know, some of the uh, the fallout from the Nassar stuff that the administration has has dealt with that university is not equipped to handle this despite despite Mark Dantonio doing them dirty this is a guy who objectively speaking for the sport of football in the state of Michigan and this is going to make some Michigan fans skid crawl but it has to be said what that guy did for Michigan state during you know their rise to power whatever whatever you want to call it he should be mentioned and in the same breath as Bo Schembechler, and they should be putting a statue up of him outside of Spartan stadium, but that's not going to happen because he railroaded them. he railroaded them. And because Michigan state is a disaster. I, I, I'm not surprised that Luke fickle turned them down. Uh, I'm not surprised that anyone has turned them down. I I don't know who would want to go work there right now as things are currently set up. Um, The path for, like, honestly, they just need, they have to nuke everyone and get some actual leadership in there. So if I'm Michigan state, I'm, and I know we we were talking Harbaugh stuff and and I'll get back to that, but this is the only forum I've had to discuss this so far. If I'm Michigan state, I'm just give Mike Tressel the interim tag for the year, nuke your athletic department and then nuke your football program after this season. Which sucks for them because this 2021 class in the state of Michigan, you know, you've got five top 100 guys, you've got, you know, guys in the top 10 that are still probably going to end up at Michigan or somewhere other than Michigan State. They, we can debate and argue how many years Mark D'Antonio set them back with what's gone on there the last few years, but by him stepping away the day before signing day, I think it was. Lord knows how many more years they set them back. Like we're looking at a situation, I think from a leadership standpoint, from a talent standpoint, it would not surprise me if in two years, this is a Rutgers level disaster in Eastland. Wow. And and you hate to see it. You hate to see it.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a lot to say on this and I have over the last several days. Um, this is, you know, I, I'm one of the, I'm a, I'm a rare breed. I have uh, feet in, in both ponds here. Because um, this is Lansing is still home to me, and I know this community very well, and I know the Spartan fan base very well. Um, I will say one, and it's a it's a backhanded positive about this whole thing. I don't think Luke Fickle was the white whale, end all, be all, A plus plus higher that most of Spartan Nation is making him out to be. I think he's a great football coach. I think he is was their best option. I don't think that the world is completely coming to an end because of this. Now, with that said, where this all began, and people saw this coming, was that a couple years ago, there was a massive, horrifying scandal in the Michigan State Athletic Department, not just in the Athletic Department, at Michigan State University. And they handled it as poorly like, to a, if it wasn't so sad, it would have almost been comical how bad of a job they did at handling that situation. It's been three years, and they're still feeling the effects of that. What happened at somewhere like Penn State with that football program was horrifying. But you know what they did? They cleaned house. And they brought in a good football coach in Bill O'Brien, To which I know he's done kind of a sketchy job with the Texans. Did a good job in his two years there. Right now, they're pretty much back on track, if not better, with James Franklin than they were eight years ago when all this went down with Sandusky and Paterno. Uh, that Because they cleaned house, they have gone about rebuilding things the right way after going about things horribly wrong for years, decades. Um, when people talked about how this scandal would affect Michigan State, uh, I think there were some people who were naive to believe that this wouldn't affect the entire athletic program. Bill Beekman, and I'll, I'll reiterate this again today because I've been I've been hammering him today and have been retweeting a lot of tweets that have hammered him. Did not expect to be the athletic director. He didn't want to be the athletic director. He was some some pencil pusher who fell into a job, and they got a guy who was ill equipped to go out and get an elite football coach. Now, I don't think that the options are over. I think Brett Bielema would do a fine job at Michigan State. I actually do. I don't think he's a bad football coach. He's won in the Big Ten, did a great job at Wisconsin. Would he be a home run? No. But I think he'd be fine. Uh, but ultimately, the, the way D'Antonio left, left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, or maybe not that, just left a lot of people's heads scratching. Was that not the the strangest retirement press conference you've ever seen like how many how many retirement press conferences feature a guy that pissed that genuinely angry it was just very this whole situation here has been very strange and you can you may say I'm sounding hyperbolic you can feel it in Lansing You can feel that there's that, like, when Michigan State has a big win or things are going well for their football or basketball program, people are just in better moods around here. They just are. I'm sure it's the same in Ann Arbor when Michigan's winning. You can feel people are just frustrated, and they should be. This whole thing, starting years ago, should have never happened. And the fact that the greatest football coach they've ever had, and yes, he is. I know they've had guys who've won championships back in the sixties in this day and age, what he was able to do, inheriting a program, that was a mess, best football coach they've ever had to leave and have it be such a, a, have everything be in such disarray is, uh, is stunning. And it does taking circling it back around to what Luke said at the very beginning, uh, shed light on the fact that Michigan's football program right now is uh, not in in perfect shape is but they are remarkably stable. And I think it's the biggest reason why many of us are gonna continue to be very reluctant to say Harbs shouldn't be here.
3: Yeah. Anthony anything to add? Yeah um it's obviously an apples and oranges situation. I'll say this: if slash when the time comes where Michigan needs to make a change, I think they do have very strong leadership. I think Mark Schlissel is is a good president. Some people will argue that uh, he doesn't care enough about athletics, but I think that he lets those guys do their jobs, and, and I think they do a good job. Uh, Ward Manuel, you know, we talk about talk about being blindsided by a coaching change, John beeline leaving. Was probably as stunned as I've ever been in, in a coaching yeah. departure, probably ever. Now, toward Manuel's credit, and this is where you know it's all about preparation. Having a guy who's who's been there and and who wants the job and who who's well prepared. When he when John Line was taking overtures from the Pistons, uh, I think it was two two years ago now. He, he, you know, knowing that the age that John Beeline was, you know, a guy probably near the end of his basketball career, mixed with the fact that, hey, this guy might actually leave to take an NBA an job, he started compiling a list of candidates in his head. So the second something, if, if the, the other shoe dropped and, and John Beeline was gone, he was ready to get to work. And I think they moved relatively quickly uh, to replace him and they got the guy that, Uh, You know, they tried the firing the money cannon at, uh, you know, Brad Stevens, Billy Donovan, which they should have. Those are phone calls you just need to make. Um, And they got a guy that they were happy with and that uh, he was comfortable with and had done plenty of research on. Um, Michigan State was not prepared for this because Bill Beekman is uh, a pencil pusher. Like you said, he's he's literally he has no business being there. Uh, he has no business being in that job, and I don't know how he is as a man. I'm not going to even go there, but uh, massively underqualified to run a, a, a Big Ten, a Power Five athletic department. Uh, what does Michigan State do from here? I, I don't know. I, I, quite honestly, I don't care. They can suck forever. It, it will not bother me one iota. Uh, I assure you that. But like I said, as as we turn this into a Michigan thing, like um, I guess the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I think that a lot of Spartan fans were excited to move, you know, excited by the idea of Mark D'Antonio riding off into the sunset. Now, I don't, I certainly don't think this is that. Something's going to come out here, and, and you know, part of the reason the Fickles turned down the Michigan State job is the missus wasn't very keen on the, uh, the, the culture that's there, and I wouldn't be surprised if more coaches turned them down because of that. Um, and you might have to settle for Brett Bielemar or Butch Jones or, um, I don't know, Pat Shermer. You know, you talk about an NFL guy to kind of come stabilize things. I, I don't know, but they, they, need, they need to be stabilized. As far as Michigan goes, like, because it's going so bad for Michigan State right now, and because it, it's gone so bad for them in the past, if the time comes where they need to make the change, that doesn't scare me because I know that the leadership they have in place right now um, will be prepared. And I think that's the difference in all this. That's where you th- see things go so bad for, for not only Michigan State, a lot of these other athletic departments as well. So um, it really just comes down to that. It's you know Michigan State is not a desirable job right now uh, because their football coach, their version of Bo Schembechler, did something that Bo Schembechler never did, and he tore his own program to the ground and left it burning on the way out the door. Um, nobody wants that job. I, I You'd be, I think, if you're a guy looking to to get into head coaching, I think you'd be a fool to take that job um, with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, Maryland's on the rise, Indiana is competitive. Like, like I said, I mean there's, there's a timeline where we're talking about Michigan state as being this Rutgers near Rutgers level of a disaster. Um, they're, they're speeding towards it right now. And, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's sad. It it would be sad if it wasn't so deserved.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's been, Quite the interesting spectacle to watch from afar, but I just want all the Michigan fans that are listening to this podcast to be reminded of this, you know, come October when you want to fire that, you know, fire off that get Harbaugh out of here tweet, you know, just just keep this in mind because this could easily happen leadership or not desirable program or not. You could easily get turned down and it can easily turn uh, into a dumpster fire very, very quickly. With having okay. said that,
3: oh, I do have one, one more final thing, thing to say. Okay. Um, okay. In a scenario where Jim Harbaugh did leave Michigan, he loves this place and respects this place, the athletic department, and the fans, I will say the fans, he respects you too much to ever railroad you as badly as Mark D'Antonio did. So at least there's that. Yeah. All righty, boys.
1: Well, I, I think we've said all that we can for tonight. So, Chris, let me know where we can find you on social media.
2: Right, well, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I two o one four. We've had videos of plenty lately, uh, talking about this Michigan State coaching search, talking about Michigan basketball. Uh, I will be watching uh, the uh, now Best Picture winner Parasite tonight for the first time, and I'll have a short review up for that. Here in just a few hours, so by the time this thing is uploaded, you'll be able to watch that. If you, my Snapchat is the same as my Twitter handle, and if you want to see me on Instagram, you can find me there. That's Chris Castle ninety five. That's C H R I S C A S T L E
3: ninety five. Anthony,
1: where can we find you?
3: Uh, well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You can follow the website at Mason Brew. I did some Michigan baseball stuff over the weekend. Uh, their, their season starts on Friday, so we're excited for that. Um, you can follow our podcast, the the only Michigan State podcast out there for Michigan fans. Uh, anywhere you listen to your shows, uh, iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, I'm kidding about the Michigan State thing. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're wherever uh, your shows are, so... Uh, appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, be, be well. You can
1: find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. You can find us at Brewcast Show as well on Twitter at Brewcast Show. Uh, spelt how it sounds, I guess you could say. And that's going to do it for us here today. Remember to subscribe and leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Maze Brew Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more will be Back tomorrow with a brand new podcast from Mesa Brew, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.